Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. Talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market with my new co-host. Uh, you're, you're not a rookie anymore. You're a sophomore. Yeah, I'm, uh, so we're hoping I'm for not. I'm a sports guy, so we're hoping for no sophomore slump. You know, yeah, no. a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of athletes, it seems like they come out great the rookie year and a sophomore slump kicks in. So we're hoping for no sophomore slump. But uh, Josh Goodwin from Goodwin Mortgage Group. Uh, my new co-host here on the Duncan Duo Show, and we are going to be talking about Tampa Bay real estate like we are every Sunday at 10. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo. If you're curious about your home's value, hit us up at DuncanDuo.com. We've got a really new, um, you know, we're, we're the first team in Tampa Bay to roll out this technology. It's a new tech partner that's doing home value estimates and helping you understand what's going on with your house. And uh, you can do that again at Duncan Duo. Com. So, Josh, first-time home buyers have been a staple of the real estate market for for pretty much ever, and you know the last few years it's been debatable. Um, you know, people have said, "Oh, you know, the first objection the first-time home buyers had was prices are rising too much, and I'm getting outbid by cash people." And now the objection is, "Okay, interest rates have gone up, and now it's made it, you know, that I can't afford it or that I don't want to spend it." Uh, but the reality is, is in Tampa Bay, it is for the most part. I mean, there's always different, you know, different nuances depending on the price point. But for the most part, it's still more affordable on a monthly basis to buy a home than it is to rent. Yeah, I'd say so, um, and that's a consensus from, I would say, 98% of every first-time home buyer I speak to, as we always ask, what are they paying in rent? Right. And you know, I spoke to um, a young lady yesterday, and she's paying. $2,700 for a one bedroom. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And and the reality is, is that you're paying the, the rate whether you rent or buy. The difference is, is that you're paying on top of the rate if you rent because the landlord needs to make margin. They're Correct. basically borrowing most landlords. I mean, there's some that, that certainly are paying cash, but even the largest hedge funds that say they're paying cash, that's borrowed money. Yep. They're, they're hedge funds, they're equity funds. They're borrowing that money and then they have to have a markup on that um, so that then they can actually make money on it. So in reality, as a renter, um, unless you've got some sort of home run deal, the likelihood is, is you're paying more to rent on a monthly basis than to buy, and you don't get any of the financial tax benefits or the appreciation that you get when you purchase. Correct. I mean, and I think the biggest thing to focus on is you're gaining no equity. Right. You're throwing that money away every single month. Right. So even when rates are high, even if your payment would be higher than rent, which it's not, and when rates were you know high sevens, there was a point where it was comparable. It was close. It was close. Uh, yeah. Maybe somewhere a little bit higher. Even then, you still need to buy because the principal and interest pay down, the automatic savings plan that you get, the appreciation. And I think a lot of people, you hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, the market's going to crash." And the, there's no signs of that. The, the the prices on real estate have stabilized. Most people still expect year-over-year appreciation this year, certainly not the appreciation we saw you know, two and three years ago. But, but we're going to see home value gains in Tampa simply because of our population demand, our lack of, our lack of supply. Um, more people want to move here. And just natural cost of construction, inflation, all of those things are going to continue to keep prices where they are or higher. Not drastically higher, again, but, but they're going to go up. And, and so you don't get that benefit when, you are, when you're renting. Correct. I mean, and then, you know, once everything starts to kick off, rates are coming down, right? The Fed met on Wednesday and they said that they're going to increase rates and keep a gauge on it. Well, they said they'd increase them 
rates got better on Wednesday. Exactly. And they they mentioned in their minutes that they could start the taper this year. Right. And, and I think, again, the economy has taken the hit. It's, it's, it's performed a little better. And truly, like, the spring market for Tampa Bay has already shown up. I mean, we're already seeing bidding wars and, uh, you know, uh, again, not the rampant stuff we saw a year ago. No, but it is wild. happening. Yes. But it is happening. We're not back to fantasy land, okay? But we are in a very healthy real estate market, and we are seeing prices still hold strong. And we are seeing some of the best real estate, some of the best priced real estate uh, still move quickly with multiple offers and, you know, it, it, you know, a lot of competition for, you know, really good inventory homes. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's with rates coming down, it, it's going to make that even better. It's going to make it better for more people to be able to purchase. But at the same time, that frenzy of multiple offers is going to be, you know, more common than it has been over the last six right. to nine months. And it's something that I tell people right now, don't wait until the spring or summer, because that's when the rest of the market shows up. Your opportunity to, number one, as a seller, beat the market, aka there aren't as many listings hitting the market, so you can get more eyes on yours. And then for buyers, in a lot of instances, um, you know, the more buyers that show up, the more chance for a bidding war, the more chance for you having to overpay or getting completely shut out of the market. So again, I think both buyers and sellers should take action now versus waiting a month or two. We aren't, you know, New York. We we don't have this cyclical real estate market where it's slow because we don't have the seasonal weather changes. So, you know, a lot of people from up north will move here and say, oh, I'm going to wait till the spring or summer because they're so used to doing that because in New York if, if, if or, you know, Michigan or wherever, if they don't do it during the spring or summer, the snow's on the ground. No one's even going to look at their house because no one wants to move in the middle of a, you know, winter snowstorm. Yeah. But here we don't have that. So there's really no rationale, you know, besides people just being used to doing it that way. So you have to break that thought pattern if you're a buyer or seller because it's not as relevant here as it is up north. Agreed. Yeah, we, you, you hit the nail on the head is we don't have snow. Yeah. We might have had 50 degrees, but. Yeah, 50 is a whole lot it. better than 20. <laughs> I have friends and family right now. It's in the teens with, you know, blizzard type conditions. Yep. Another another thing that I think first time home buyers are um, unaware about and are confused about is um, down payments. Yep. Right. Like I think that first time home buyers don't realize that they don't have to have a lot of them. That they don't have to have twenty percent down. That they can they can sometimes buy with low or no money down, or they can get gift money. There are a lot of programs out there for people that that um, maybe don't have as much down payment money, um, and it may not be as expensive as they think in terms of what they have to come up with. Correct. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. A lot of you're basically bringing up everything that I want to say. I love it. Um, Buyers do have, especially if they don't have any experience, a lot of people still today will say, I don't have 20%. And I'm like, you could do 3% right. if you have known to home. They're like, really? Or they hear that mortgage insurance is terrible, but you know, on a conventional loan, mortgage insurance is heavily based on your actual credit score. Right. So if you have a 750 score, your mortgage insurance might only be $85 opposed to somebody with a 600, theirs is 300 yeah, right. So every situation is different. It's interesting. And, and I love that change that's happened with mortgage insurance because it hasn't always been that way. Yeah. Back, I mean, this is my 18th year in real estate. So in years past, everyone, you know, you almost had like a stock rate. People were paying the same mortgage insurance no matter what. And that has changed, which has made it more affordable for really responsible home buyers. Correct. Yeah. They're rewarded. Per yeah. Se. yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, again, the same thing goes with, you know, again, the, the importance of your credit score. The same thing goes with your insurance. I mean, there's so many things that that 
that score impacts and why it's important. Um, but a lot of consumers that start the home buying process, um, they think they know what their score is because they looked at an app online or they you know, believe that their score is great and that they can qualify. Mm-hmm. They go out and look at houses. They find their dream home. On Friday at two o'clock, they call their mortgage under. No, usually it's like Friday at nine o'clock because yeah. you know we're all out ready to like end the <laughs> week. And they decide to call Friday at nine o'clock. They're ready to pull the trigger. They're ready to buy. They're ready to qualify. And we find out, you know, that they can't or that they have to do a bunch of stuff. And so, how important is it for home buyers to 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 talk about the lending side before they ever even look at houses? The most important. I mean, I always use the example. Would you go and buy a car that you haven't test driven if you don't know what it is? Right. No, you wouldn't. Right. Um, and I've seen it. I mean, a colleague of mine, he had, you know, this this client went and wrote an offer on a home with an agent that didn't know the client, found him, no pre-approval. My my colleague was trying to get a hold of that client, finally called him back, pulled their credit. It was a five forty. Yeah. On an eight hundred thousand dollar purchase. Right. And, they didn't, and, and sometimes they, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I must have missed one or, oh, this, that, or the <laughs> yeah. other. It's like, you know, the, the reality is, is that you need to know it because number one, you need to know what you can afford. Number two, what you can qualify for. The other thing with a, a, a lot of people today, and this is really common with first time home buyers, the gig economy kind of really ramped up during COVID. But you have a lot of people that are earning either extra income or a full time job as a 1099. They're they're working for, you know, Uber or DoorDash mm-hmm. or, um, you know, they wait tables on the side or, or whatever it is. And they're earning extra income that isn't as easily documented or they write off a lot and they don't pay a lot to taxes. And then they think, oh, I make 100 grand a year. But in reality, their taxes show they made 19 grand. Correct. So it's a problem. So if you are a first time home buyer and you think that what you put into your bank account is what matters, realistically, it's what you show Uncle Sam that you make and you pay taxes on that matters more than that. There are programs and stuff I know available for people that are in that kind of gray area. But but talk about the importance of, you know, self-employed people and their tax returns for qualifying. Yeah, it's it's very important. I mean, I know we touched on this last week briefly, but um, you need to know what those pieces are. So waiting to speak to a lender till you find that home, not ideal. And even if you think everything is great and it ends up being great, wonderful. But it's always good to be safe. I mean, and also to touch on the credit piece of it. A lot of people for, you know, your first time home buyers out there that get nervous that they don't even want to start the process because of their score because they know it's bad. Mm-hmm. We have so many options to help boost your credit up and get things taken care of. I mean, there yeah, can be a way. There, there are people that don't realize that sometimes it's a matter of moving money from one account to another account. Sometimes it isn't even necessarily money coming out of your pocket. It's moving from one debt to another debt. Or it could be simply... Um, you know, uh, coming out of pocket with some cash to pay some stuff off. And then, you know, you don't need as much down payment as you think, but you need to pay off your debt. And one other big no-no with first-time home buyers, because um, I think the internet has made everybody an expert. Yeah, Everybody sure that's has. on social media and TikTok thinks that they know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so they think they know what's up and then they go and they uh, buy a car while they're under contract to buy a house yep. or they buy furniture. While they're under contract to buy a house, or, or quit they, their job, what's that? Or they change their job. Yeah. Oh. So, so some classic no-nos here. If you're a first-time home buyer and you've not done this before, when you go under contract to buy a house, your financial situation can't change. 
Your debt, the amount you put in your credit card can't go up dramatically. You can't have some huge deposit into your bank account without being able to explain it. Um, You can't go out and get new credit. The 0% from rooms to go will be there in two weeks after closing too. Um, You you know, buying a house is more important than any any of those other things. You cannot put those things in front of the purchase of your home. But people do it all the time and changing jobs. Can't change jobs. Just can't do it. You can't quit your job. Can't get fired. Be really nice to your boss until after closing. Then you can go get your new job. So in the beginning of my career, I'll remember this. It was like my third deal that was ever closing. This was over 10 years ago now. And my processor called me up and was like, hey, this deal's not going to close. I'm like, why? And this was one of those ones you really had to fight for. Right. So many moving parts. And she's like, well, we did the final verification of employment, and uh, he quit his job. So I called up the client. I'm like... You know, hey, what's going on? Tell me this is a mistake. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, I was a little stressed. And back to your point, he had a job as a personal trainer on the side, uh, getting paid 1099, where he was making quite a bit of money. And so he thought, okay, I'm just going to go do that. And he's like, I can, I'm like, why did you quit your job? He's like, I was stressed about the home. I'm like, now you don't have this home. Right, you don't have the home. Because now. you quit that without You're talking to, to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we'll be back. Continue this conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan from the Duncan Duo team at Remax and Josh Goodwin from Goodwin Mortgage Group talked in the first break about first-time homebuyers and some of the horror stories of first-time homebuyers um, deciding to quit their job while they're under contract to buy a house and not realizing that would have an impact or getting a car loan or, um, you know, not filing their taxes or, or not paying taxes or um, getting that rooms to go or Kane's furniture, zero percent intro, you know, but it doesn't cost me any money. I don't have to pay for 13 months. The lender doesn't care. It is a debt, you know, so. So if you're a first-time home buyer or realistic lady home buyer, any of those changes, if you're getting a mortgage, okay, look, if you're paying cash, doesn't matter. You know, you go do whatever you want. You do what you want. But if you're if you're getting a mortgage, your financial situation can't change. And so this is something we talked about this a little bit uh, last week, and I'm gonna talk about it again. Uh, high net worth um, luxury home buyers, um, their mortgage process is is different. Um, and we talked about this with the 1099 people, but if you're someone that is an entrepreneur, you own multiple businesses, you have multiple streams of income, you have money coming in and out, you, you tend to be someone that's a very like driven personality just because of all those things going on in your life. And if you are, in, if you are, you know, having to get a mortgage, okay, it is going to be like financial surgery in a sense because they want to see everything and they're going to ask you a lot of questions. So, you know, I have some of my, you know, high net worth clients that are, you know, getting asked these questions all the time. Like, what's this? What's this? What's that? And they're like, I got enough money to pay it. You know, they get all frustrated because they, they take it personally. But again, if you're getting a higher priced mortgage and you're someone whose financial situation is complicated, the reason why we don't have the foreclosures that we had you know, 10 plus years ago is because the lending institutions are much smarter about verifying and documenting everything today than they used to be. And they're going to need to verify and document everything going on in your financial world. If there's big financial transfers or, uh, you know, money moving in and out, they need to know what that is. Yeah, we, we need to know all of it. I mean, the process is similar to a normal loan, but, you know, when you have someone that has multiple businesses, pass throughs and different corporations, I personally love it. The key is, to ask all the right questions up front. Yeah. Don't come back two weeks later 
and ask those clients for something else because you need to know what you're doing in the beginning. Right, and I think that's key too. So that goes back to the high net worth person just calling you if they need to get a mortgage Correct. because otherwise the problem is a lot of times they go to the big banks or I bank Well, I there. keep all my money there. Yeah, and, yeah, that's a nightmare. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you guys, it is a nightmare most of the time if you go to the place where you keep the money because guess what? They're really good at keeping the money and doing that, but they're really crap at mortgages. Yeah. <laughs> like they're a nightmare. And and like you said, like the point is, is get everything up front. So get with the CPA, get the tax returns, get the profit and loss statements, get access to all the bank statements, get the new bank statements when they come out, get an understanding of the financial picture. And, and then as the borrower, just be prepared to ask, to, to answer questions. You're going to get some questions. You know, you, you sold a property and you put 200 grand in the bank. Okay, we need to see the settlement statement yep. and the closing docs. You know, you you uh, sold a car. Okay, let's see the bill of sale. Let's see the title. Okay, you did this. You did that. We need to see those things. So I think that um, a lot of high net worth people are used are not used to um, that, and and they can take offense. They can be offended. They can feel like you're accusing them of doing something wrong or not being able to qualify. And it's simply the process of what the bank is doing to ensure that you do have the ability and there's nothing unscrupulous going on. Correct. I mean, and, and it is a very, you know, a lot of the questions can be very personal. Um, you know, let me see your divorce decree. Well, why right. do you need that? Exactly. I don't want you to see how bad I'm having to pay money every month. You know, right. I'm embarrassed about it. What, whatever that feeling is. But you still have to see it. We have to see yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. So, so again, you're listening to the Duncan Do a Real Estate Show here on uh, WFLA. Uh, news. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo. Again, that is at the Duncan Duo. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Facebook. We are on all the social channels at the Duncan Duo. So make sure to follow us. Uh, we are working on soon announcing our date for our client appreciation party at Amelie Arena. Very excited about our client appreciation event at Amelie, and we'll be announcing more details about it soon. We're working with the team. Uh, and the arena now to finalize some final details, but we should have an announcement on that soon, and uh, we'll be able to get all of our past clients out to uh, enjoy uh, time on the ice and um, enjoy the arena and kind of get a really cool experience. We we hadn't done it in a few years, so I'm really excited to do it again. Uh, COVID kind of canceled us the last few years, so the team is now allowing us to do it again, and we're excited about bringing that back. So we'll We'll have more details about that. We'll put that up on our socials. We'll have some emails out about it um, here coming soon. So Rumi back. We're going to talk about what is a foreclosure. People don't know what a foreclosure is. A lot of times they're, they're really confused what the difference between a pre-foreclosure and a foreclosure is. So we're going to give you some specific details about that so that you can really know what is a foreclosure. We're also going to give you some home selling tips, some things you can do to prepare your home for sale. If you're thinking about selling your home, in 2023 make sure to tune in and we'll be back with you on the other side here on wfla news so we're back here on the duncan duo show talking about the tampa bay real estate market andrew duncan with the duncan duo josh goodwin goodwin mortgage group so what is a foreclosure this is something that people really need to understand because we get this question all the time i found this house on zillow or i found this house on realtor.com and it's a foreclosure no it's in foreclosure there is a difference between a home being a foreclosure and being in foreclosure or pre-foreclosure. So we're gonna tell you kind of what the differences are. So pre-foreclosure is a home where the mortgage lender has um, started the process of foreclosure. They filed a list pendants, 
the buyer, or not the buyer, the borrower um, is, is behind on mortgage payments. They have missed enough payments for the lender to take action. So that is what a pre-foreclosure is. And unfortunately, that's what gets people wrong a lot. They say, oh, I want to buy that house. Well, it's not available. Like, it, you know, the, the person's just laid on their mortgage. It's not available yet. And the reality is, is that in rare unicorn circumstances, you might be able to contact that borrower and try and work something out to buy the house. But the reality is, is sometimes they're strategically defaulting. Sometimes they just had a little rough patch. Sometimes they'll catch it up. Uh, the majority of homes that go into pre-foreclosure don't end up getting foreclosed on today, uh, mostly because there's either equity or there's something they can get worked out or they get reemployed. Um, but that is what a pre-foreclosure is. Uh, it is it has not been foreclosed on. The bank does not own it. Anything else that I think that probably covers it, right? Yeah, it covers it really well. And just like you said, a pre-foreclosure is very different. There is a lengthy amount of time, even if it does get foreclosed on before yeah. that happens. Yeah, and it, it, because we are a judicial state in Florida, so there's got to be a court process that follows. And the borrower has the ability to contest it, hire an attorney, and in some instances, drag it out forever. Um, so, so in essence, um, the, the pre-foreclosure is simply a home that, has started the process, but very likely won't end up being a foreclosure. So what is specifically a foreclosure? A foreclosure is a property that the bank has taken back. Generally in Florida, what they will do is they will go through a court process. They will win the the process, and then they will auction the house off at the courthouse steps to allow someone to buy it before it ever becomes the bank's or before it's ever controlled by the bank. So there's a little intermediary period where you could buy the home and it transferred directly to you from the bank and the bank doesn't actually put it on the market. So there is there is that step. Last The last step is the bank takes it back, the bank takes ownership, they begin maintaining the property and they will typically, after at least may, maybe some minor, um, you know, securing the house or, you know, they they don't tend to make a lot of repairs. Banks don't want to become property owners. They want their money. Sometimes some credit unions or smaller institutions will make some repairs. But for the most part, the, uh, the mortgage lender is then going to take ownership. It's going to become a foreclosure. They now own it and they're putting it on the market. So there's a kind of the different phases. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, pre-foreclosure or whether the bank actually owns it and you have the ability to, you know, to, to purchase it. Banks also don't have very well built out real estate divisions for the most part. So they don't really want to deal with you. If they foreclose on a property, the idea that you're going to call Bank of America and get someone directly to deal with you to buy the property from them is just not realistic. Bank of America has someone that through many, many layers, you probably won't be able to find out who this person is and they're going to hire an agent and it's going to go on the market. They're, it's just the way that they do things. Um, so the, the banks that own properties are going to list them, they're going to put them up for sale, but that's the difference. Pre-foreclosure versus foreclosure a lot of people don't know the difference. They say, oh, this house is a foreclosure. No, it's in foreclosure. And the majority of those don't ever end up getting foreclosed on and don't ever end up, you know, coming up for sale. A lot of people also strategically default. Um, you know, we saw this a lot more common, if you, you know, many years ago, but people would intentionally miss their payments, even though they could make the payment simply to attempt to renegotiate or to, um, you know, to 
to try and get a better deal or to put money in their own pocket. You know, I mean, there there are attorneys that help people strategically default or try and contest their mortgage. So not every per home that goes into foreclosure is because that person is having financial difficulties. Um, it's, it's no secret. I think a lot of people heard this. Uh, Elon Musk stopped paying, uh, stopped paying some of his mortgage or rent stuff on Twitter headquarters in California. And I think everyone knows Elon's got the money. You know, Elon's not not paying for those things because and I don't remember, it might be rent and not mortgage. But but either way, the premise is the same. He's not paying those things because he wants to put his company into financial, a better financial situation. Some homeowners or or people that own a lot of property um, will do the same thing simply to attempt to renegotiate the debt and put themselves into a better position. So let's talk about some home seller advice for people in 2023 um there are it's interesting because in 2022 and 2021 i I call like amateur hour order taker real estate because there were a lot of people that got into real estate that uh because the market was hot could sell anything and the photos and the videos and the description and the syndication didn't matter as much the photos (laughs) it didn't matter right it didn't matter they were good um the photos didn't matter. The outreach didn't matter. Their impact on social media or their uh, listing syndication, whether they're paying for the premium on Zillow and Realtor and all these different places. Um, the the reality is that a lot of people don't understand this, but um, you know, today in a more challenging real estate market, certainly not a bad real estate market, a healthy real estate market, not as crazy as it was you know, a year ago, but, but a more balanced real estate market. Um, those mistakes that home sellers make by hiring that agent that really hasn't listed a lot of homes before, that hasn't sold a lot of listings, that doesn't have a marketing budget, that doesn't have a photographer, that doesn't shoot video, that doesn't get it on, you know, all the right websites the right way, that doesn't know how to write a description, uh, all of those things um, backfire and then cause homes not to sell. And certainly a lot of times it's price as to why a home hasn't sold. But there are plenty of times where we look at it today and we have homes that come to us and they say, hey, we want to put our house on the market. Or in some instances, they just want to sell. They're like, give me a cash offer. I want out like because they're frustrated mm-hmm. because they hired the wrong agent or they hired the agent that would do it on the cheap. You know, and and unfortunately, when a real estate market shifts, you get what you pay for. It. If, you, if you hire the cheap one, they're not going to have a marketing budget. They're not going to have the right equipment. They're not going to have the the experience. Um, the other thing that you get when you hire on the cheap is you get a poor negotiator. Um, if someone is doing it on the cheap, they can't negotiate their own fee. How can you truly believe that they're the right person to negotiate for you? That's a good point. You know, and and so people will say, "Oh, I want to," you know, "I want to somebody will charge me one percent less than that." But the reality is, is if you if you hire that person, you're basically saying, "I want to hire a really bad negotiator to sell the most expensive thing I've ever sold." It makes no sense at all, but people do it all the time. I'll, I'll see stuff. I saw this on my Facebook, and, and I'm not going to name this person. They're not local, um, you know, but, but they were uh, somewhere in the Midwest. And they hired uh, an agent, and they, they got it a, a lower commission, okay? They, they were proud that they saved money. And um, I looked it up, and this is, this is over the summer, okay? And I looked up the house. I was just curious because it was like, you know, I wonder what the deal is with this with this situation. So I looked up the house, and they were so proud 
that they that they got a discounted commission. The house took nine and a half months to sell. It sold for a hundred over a hundred grand less than original asking price, which was way overpriced to begin with. And probably about 50 grand less than they would have got if they'd hired a good agent because we were in a market where prices were dropping at that time. So they hired somebody because they saved 1% in commission. They lost 50 grand because they hired an amateur and they got amateur hour pricing and amateur hour negotiating. And then unfortunately, when you do that, when you make those mistakes like that, it comes back to, you know, to your equity. And, and what are you hiring a real estate agent to do? You're hiring them to negotiate your equity interest. And if you're hiring somebody that can't negotiate your equity interest and you think you're saving money by getting 1% less, I mean, it's it's no different than why, you know, not everyone drives the cheapest, you know, not everyone on the street right now is driving a Kia or a Hyundai, you know? You pay a premium because there's a premium associated with either better performance or better gas mileage or a cooler car. It's the same thing with real estate. If you commoditize real estate agents and think we all do the same and you think you got a deal because you got it for 1% less, you really didn't get a deal most of the time. You actually got an inferior agent, inferior marketing plan, inferior exposure, inferior negotiating, and much less money in your pocket because people don't look at it like that. They look at it. They don't look at the net. They look at it and think, oh, well, this guy was going to charge me 1% more, but that guy would have got you more money. That guy would have sold your house not nine and a half months for 100 grand less, but he would have sold it in a month. You know, and, and people don't factor that in because nine and a half months, let's just take, I mean, what's the average mortgage payment? Just, just an average mortgage payment. Call it $2,200. All right. So nine and a half months of $2,200. Yeah, $18,000. 18 grand that they lost in mortgage payments that they wouldn't have lost if they sold it in a month. They wouldn't have paid the extra. Plus you're talking taxes, insurance, maintenance, the time, energy, and effort. And it's like, I wanted to like nitpick this person, somebody I went to high school with. But they saved 1%. I know. I wanted, I wanted, I really wanted to destroy them. You know, I went to high school with him, okay? Yeah. And he's about six foot two. No, 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 no. He's <laughs> no. It's a she. But so I, I was afraid cancel culture would come for me if I went in and basically said, yep. You're an idiot. Um, but but the reality is is they were so proud they thought they saved money. And it's like, you're you don't know how to do math. Yeah. Like, do the math here. Like you made a huge mistake. This was not you know, if you would have hired like and, and I remember looking the agent up and, you know, this is back in my hometown. Right. So I know the agents that are really good agents. I looked the agent up and they were they, I had no idea who they were. They you know, they they the photos were bad. It was dark and it was it was bad. Right. And I know who like the top agents are in my hometown are because I refer people to them. And if they would have gotten the listing, would have been sold. it would have sold in two weeks. Probably for they'd have made 50 grand more, but they don't realize that they don't realize what they lost. Because they don't realize the opportunity they didn't get by hiring, you know, a, an inferior agent. So if you're thinking about selling, don't hire an inferior agent. Look for the best. Look at reviews. Look at a track record. Look at how many homes they've sold. Look at their marketing plan. Look at the things that they're doing to get eyes on your listing. Don't just go with the guy that says, oh, I'm going to do it cheaper because you get what you pay for. You just you truly do. So we'll be back. We're going to wrap up with our last segment after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan with Josh Goodwin from Goodwin Mortgage Group. And we're in growth mode. There's a lot of real estate companies that are retreating right now, right? I'm and sure you'll probably see this. Mortgage and mortgage and companies estate, yeah. too, yeah. Like they're like, oh, we're in retreat mode. We're going to back off. We're going to slow down. The market's the market's hurting. So we're going to cut and cut. And, and look, I, I get that because I think when the market was crazy, I get a little bit of it. You know, because when the market was crazy, a lot of business owners kind of lost track of certain expenses and different things. So I get it to an extent. Um, but um, for me personally, like 
my focus on expenses is really to get the most dollar productive things I can for my team to, to help us continue to grow. And so we've added 13 agents in the last couple of months and, uh, you know, increased marketing uh, the last month or two, have a lot of new systems. And, and really, you know, I'm, I'm putting the same blueprint that I put in place back after the Great Recession to grow. And I suspect the same thing will happen because it's a market where it's going to be a skill-based market. A lot of people that got by without having the skills and the proper training and coaching um, are going to struggle. And so we're really buckling down on training and coaching and and grow, still growing. We, we have spots for probably another handful of agents to have enough leads for them to make a good income, um, you know, generating thousands of leads a month. And uh, again, if you're a real estate agent, and you've been struggling or you're unhappy where you're at or you need a, a new growth trajectory behind you if you're at a company and maybe the leadership has you know, got some debt issues. I'm, I'm hearing that a lot. I'm hearing people saying, oh, I'm, you know, my company's in debt. I'm hearing some of the larger franchise, like large, large network companies cutting stuff, cutting this benefit, cutting that benefit. So again, it, it, you know, we're in growth mode. You can check us out, jointheduo.com. You can register for our free career night. You can apply for any of our open positions. Um, and again, we're excited. We have more leads than we can keep up with. So, um, you know, again, if you're somebody that isn't getting leads, you know, I, I talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were like, you know, my, my team gives me like, I get like three or four leads a month. And I'm like, what? Like three or four leads a month? Like, like our agents are, you know, there's days that they get 10 in a day, you know, like three or four a month is, is crazy. Like that you're going to be expected to make an income off of three or four leads a month. Like that's nuts. And so, you know, we are a mass advertising company. We certainly do help our agents generate their own business and do open houses and do those types of things. We have agents that door knock. They're good at that. Um, we have agents that prospect our past clients. Um, but we also generate a massive amount of leads because the number of listings we do and the amount of stuff that we do on, on websites like realtor.com and pay-per-click and all these different places. And so, the reality is an agent coming to us is coming to us because they want the coaching and the structure, but they want the leads. They want the opportunity to get business and, and to be taught the right way. I think a lot of new agents get into the business, and you've probably seen this too, and they're trying to do too many things too soon. It's why the failure rate is so high. I'm going to become a master marketer, a master negotiator. I'm going to become a, a master home showing homes. You, you can't be a master at all those things. You can't be an expert to all of those things. You're no, going you to focus. Yeah, you have to focus on um, smaller segments because if you try and do all of those things, you're going to do all of them really, really average or below average, and then you're going to have a below average income. Yeah, it's one of the things that we we pride ourselves on. We take the lead generation piece and say we're going to generate the system and the leads, and we have the database and the tools. We just need you to do the work, and then secondly, we're going to help you with the transactions, so you don't have to deal with that. Real estate agents are notoriously bad at that. I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, they they are notoriously bad. Some of the best salespeople I know, if you have to do a deal with them, are a nightmare to deal with because they're just not organized. They're not structured. And we take that off the agent's plate so that they can go out and sell and focus on serving clients at a high level. Yeah, just produce. It's no different than your business. I mean, it's why you have processors and you know loan assistants and, and so that you can focus on doing the most valuable things and they can handle a lot of those those details to make sure your clients get properly served. It's why 
Um, you know, it, it's why attorneys have paralegals. Yeah. It's why the surgeon isn't going in and taking your payment information Correct. before he operates on your brain. You it's know? not. A, it's not a negative thing. It's not. No. It's okay to not know how to do those things. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not good with implementing systems and processes in my organization. I know what they right. need to be, but I right. have somebody same. that does it. Same. And they do it very well. Yeah. Same. And, and I think the same thing applies with real estate agents. They may be really good at negotiating and real, but then when it gets down to the details of making sure the inspection gets done and following or up with paperwork. the appraiser and the paperwork and did they check the boxes on the paperwork, they're not great at it. So we take that off the agent's plate. We think it provides a greater service to the client. That's why we got the most five-star reviews out of every real estate company go. in Tampa. You know, so so our goal is to take that off the plate to give the customer the best service, but also to allow the agent to stop trying controlling everything. They try and control everything, and then they control nothing because they're spread too thin. So we want to take those things off the agent's plate so that they can sell, so they can build wealth. I have agents in my company that have progressed from being just a regular buyer agent to now they partner with me on investments and make you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just on that, not even counting some of the sales income. So you know, the doors that open in a, in a company like mine are, are things that I think not a lot of companies do. But our goal is to reward those people that produce and give them more opportunity. So again, if you're interested in it, join the duo.com. Hit us up for career night or apply for one of our open positions. Whether you're a new agent, whether you're thinking about getting into the business, whether you're somebody that simply isn't achieving what they want to achieve where they're at and they need a fresh start or a new place, we would love to be that place for you. Again, at jointheduo.com. So we're done. We appreciate you tuning in and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.